1: I'm Katie Warren, and I'm so grateful to be here with you today. There may be all sorts of reasons why you have decided to tune into this podcast, but I'm guessing at least one reason is because you are a person of faith. Maybe you're looking for some piece of inspiration or connection to God. Maybe you're curious to learn more about God or seeking some answer to a question of faith you might have. That's the thing about our lives of faith, actually. We're constantly asking questions or looking for answers. And in our reading today, we hear two of the disciples ask a question of Jesus. A favor, actually, where they want Jesus to do whatever they ask of him. And honestly, it sounds a little ridiculous when you hear it in scripture, but the more we think about it, the more we discover it might not be so far off from the sort of faith that we can so easily fall into as well. So let's take a listen to this exchange between Jesus and his disciples, and give some thought to what it might tell us about our own lives of faith. Here are words from the 10th chapter of Mark's Gospel, beginning with verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten other disciples heard this conversation, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them over and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, but it is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be servant of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many." So let's take a listen to this reflection on the questions we might ask of Jesus and maybe even the surprising answers we might receive. Last week, I was uh, spending a few days visiting my parents who live in Kansas, just outside Kansas City, and as we were driving home along I-35, somewhere in western Missouri, I saw this large billboard along the side of the road, and it had kind of the quintessential brown-haired blue-eyed Jesus with the lights like streaming behind him. He's sort of glowing a little bit. And uh, underneath him were these bolded words that just said, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. I have no idea who is responsible for the billboard. I think maybe there was like a tiny little 1-800 number at the bottom that you could call for more information. But for whatever reason maybe because there's not much to keep your attention in western Missouri, Uh, I kept thinking about this billboard as we were driving closer and closer to home. More to the point, I was wondering exactly what is the point of such a sign? If Jesus is the answer, then what's the question? So my mind wandered a little bit more, and I was trying to come up with my own questions a little bit. So I was thinking to myself, well, we're in the car. What music should we listen to? Jesus is the answer? No, that doesn't, really, that doesn't really fit. How about, oh, we're about at a quarter of a tank of gas. We're gonna to need to stop pretty soon. Where should we stop? Jesus is the answer? No, that doesn't really make any sense either. I keep driving and I'm thinking, well, I have a sermon that I need to preach later this week and what should I preach about? Jesus is the answer. All right, that one works, that fit, that question. I don't know what the intent of the billboard was. I think maybe they were trying to say that if you are in need of something, if it feels as though something is maybe lacking in your life, then maybe Jesus is the answer. Are you in search of peace in the midst of challenging days? Are you looking for purpose or meaning in your life? Are you desperate for hope for your future? Well, maybe Jesus is the answer to those sorts of questions anyway. There is this kind of strand of Christianity that sees God as just that, the answer to all of our problems in our life. If you just have enough faith, if you pray with enough passion or speak certain words, if you show up in church with enough regularity, then some people assume at least that God becomes kind of like a spiritual vending machine, right, where you put in the right currency and out comes solution to whatever your problem may be. So you can imagine, maybe you were part of them, all the extra prayers that were being sent up in the 10th inning of the 2016 World Series game, just hoping God might grant the Chicago Cubs a win, right? extra prayers wouldn't hurt, right? Or conversely, how many times, I can't, I've lost track of how many times I've heard someone say to me after a family member has recently died, something along the lines of, you know, I'm not really sure I believe in God anymore because I, I prayed for my loved one, whoever it was. I prayed for them to be healed and I guess God didn't hear my prayers. There are some versions of Christianity that ascribed to this kind of belief that if you have a problem or a need, Jesus is, in fact, the answer. Just ask with enough faith and it will be granted. And I think this is actually the exact approach that some of Jesus' disciples shared as well, particularly in this reading we just hear from Mark's gospel this morning. The disciples are walking along this road with Jesus. They don't see a billboard, but James and John have this bright idea and they turn to Jesus and they say, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And it sounds a little absurd as you're reading it or hearing it in scripture, but they're basically articulating the very belief that so many of us can easily fall into as well. Jesus, I have been faithful. I'm generally a good person. So here's my request of you. In other words, we're, we're entitled to something here, right? We have sacrificed a lot to be your followers. And now here's what you can give us in return. Jesus, you are the answer after all. But in return, Jesus responds in this way that he so often does without judgment or condemnation or even total annoyance. at this kind of silly, strange request. Instead, he says, what do you want me to do? For you. Even as Jesus and the disciples are walking on their way to Jerusalem, inching their way to the cross, to his death, Jesus' response is with kindness and open-heartedness. It is this inclination to serve those who approach him. And as usual, he was sort of leading by example with his response. As if to say, you can, you can ask for whatever you want. You can seek whatever you think you may need. But an authentic life of faith, first and foremost, is a life lived in service. Caring for the other, hearing the needs and the wants and the concerns of others, rather than looking out maybe primarily for ourselves. The problem is that it's so much easier to see God as a kind of magician who makes our needs disappear we're a genie who just kind of grants our greatest wishes, that's a lot easier than worshiping a God who tells us that faith is about choosing to serve others rather than to be served. And just as importantly, to ask us to do the same. After all, why, why would we bother even getting involved in the world's sorrows or challenges if we could just ask God to wave a magic wand and fix it all? Why would we exert any effort at all in caring for the needs of the world or attending to our neighbors or working to create more peace in the world around us. If we could just say a few prayers and let God take care of the rest. In such a world, and in the world that James and John envisioned anyway, God is this kind of combination of Santa Claus and Superman, maybe. And none of it really helps us. So instead, what I think God asks of us as people of faith is to live as though Jesus is maybe the question and then we become part of the answer. What does God hope for my life? Who does God ask me to love? What example has Christ set that I might then try to follow? Sometimes actually, I think our youth in this congregation uh, understand this concept better than anyone. As Peter mentioned, over the last five weeks, we have heard our uh, ninth graders share their faith stories during the learning time, and uh, we'll celebrate these six young men in just a few moments and their confirmation, rite of confirmation or blessing. We've listened to them share these stories. You six did incredible this morning. I wish everyone here was there to hear you this morning. In fact, we'll have you share again. No, I'm just kidding. I won't have you share again. (laughs) Just kidding. They did an incredible job because they talked about um, how they saw God at work in their lives. It's one of the questions we ask them to think about in their faith story is, where do you notice God at work in your life? How do you sense God's presence in the world around you? And you articulate it beautifully, how you maybe have felt God's presence in competition on the football field, or where you've noticed God coming alive in creation around you, or singing in the choir, where you've notice God's presence in the midst of laughter at a retreat or with your small group or in the midst of an ER stay when you're not feeling well. All sorts of ways you wonderfully articulated how you felt and sensed God all around you and even wrestling with those same questions in the future too that you don't have at all figured out yet. But what I love about what you six did and what the rest of our ninth graders have done in the past couple of weeks is when they decide to share their stories and what you'll talk about, I know it's a struggle a little bit to put those stories together. They tend not to talk so much about what God has done for them, how God has made X, Y, or Z happen in their lives. How like maybe some magician, God has made good things happen for them. But instead, you all talk about how you've seen God active and alive in both the really fun and the really challenging moments of your lives. And in so many ways, our young people in this congregation have shown us what authentic faith looks like. It follows right in that example of how Jesus has first set that example for us. They show us that faith has less to do with what we're trying to get out of God, and instead faith is so much more about following that example, what God draws out of us, softened hearts and gentle spirits and compassion and lives that seek service rather than to be served. Going back to that scripture passage we heard a few moments ago, this strange encounter between James and John and uh, Jesus, it leaves us maybe with two possible questions or two options of faith. One is for us to say, do for us. Grant us whatever we ask for, God. Or two, what can I do for you? How can the love of God compel me to share it, this love, with others? And maybe our greatest acts of faith, how we live it out in the world, comes about when we begin to turn James and John's question, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. If we turn that into our own answer, teacher, teacher, We want to do for you, whatever you ask of us. Amen. now to God in prayer, speaking those words Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever, amen. Wherever you find yourself this week, may you feel inspired by the love and compassion of God. And may God's unconditional love for you compel you to share it with others all around you. Amen.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.